0: Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders, CEOs, and investors to help you scale a business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a very special one. This is the first episode of 2024, and his name is Johnny Ten, the founder and CEO of AppFiciency. Johnny, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: You have an amazing uh, track record and, and a great story. Uh, your company is now turning 10 this year, which is a, an amazing uh, milestones for curiosity. Everyone knows me knows that I'm completely uh, crazy about stats, especially about companies and scaling. Uh, only 80% of new businesses do survive for the first year. Only 50% gets to five years and just one third get to 10 years, right? So um, you will you will share more about where you are in terms of the stage of growth Johnny, later, uh, but you are clearly uh, over 10 billion in revenue, which are kind of 0.4% of all companies who get there. So the combination of one third who gets to 10 years and 0.4% will get to 10 billion in revenue. This is really uh, incredible. And uh, it's it's a tribute for the for the founders and CEOs that come to this show because it's it seems easy. We all see the news, but uh, it's it's another story when we are uh, starting and scaling up our businesses. So Johnny, tell us a bit more about, about yourself, uh, how it all started. I know that you have been through McKinsey, Salesforce, NetSuite, then in Bradstreet before uh, starting your own company. Uh, but let us know, know more about your story and, uh, why did you decide to start up efficiency?
1: Yeah, sure thing. I think, um, I think like many founders and many entrepreneurs story, uh, my story begins when I was young and forming personality. Uh, and that's not, that's not, um, not, uh, that's correct for me as well. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. when I, I came to Canada when I was three years old, um, I had my right. birthday we traveled my my dad always fondly told me that we traveled the longer way around the world from Myanmar to Toronto and because we followed the date line I had my birthday in Rangoon I had my birthday in Zurich uh, I had my birthday in uh, Paris Montreal and Toronto Uh, so my third birthday was I covered almost half the world and um, (laughs) amazing story yeah and it it was a it was a lot of fun I I grew up knowing, knowing English before I knew my, my mother tongue, uh, or at least the, the language of, uh, of Burmese where, where I was born, because mm-hmm. my father knew that we would, we would be moving here. Um, and I grew up, I think, around uh, both my mother and my brothers. Uh, my mother was a very strong woman. She was the breadwinner of the house ultimately over time. And, um, and she was she, I think, very much had the ambition to do her own thing, but didn't know how and um and and she she comes from a family that that did a lot of mercantile type work and business mm-hmm. and uh and my dad was the uh, an aircraft safety inspector uh he had been shaped in his life by um his brother's passing early uh through airplane accidents uh, they were all in air force of some kind and mm-hmm. um and because of that he was uh very very conservative and cautious but i the things i got from them i think shaped me and in my story, my dad was highly disciplined. He could do the same habit his whole life every day. And, and he really did. He's a morning bird. <laughs> uh, as I say, he always got up early. Um, and my mom was um, ambitious and also, um, in a mom way, of course, um, believed that we had a responsibility to the world to do something better. And so I think those things shaped me. As I worked and did schooling, um, Although I was in a gifted program, I I really wasn't a very good student. Uh, I always mm-hmm. wanted to change the rules to to optimize them, to improve them, to innovate them. And ultimately, what happened was um, I bounced around and did a bunch of careers before I kind of finally settled on something that resonated with me, and that was um, sales engineering and and selling. Um, and I thought I think that what resonated there with me was really the understanding what the customer like I got to hear what the customer really wanted to do and then mm-hmm. from there on I just felt the responsibility that became a an, uh, an itch that I couldn't I couldn't help but scratch uh, so um, after working at um, uh, in sales for a little while I said I really want to go start my own thing and um, I I took a half measure I went to a, I went to a company that uh, promised a residual type commission plan so you could build up a book of business over time. And on uh, the second week that I was there they rescinded that plan, went to a normal annual plan. And um uh, and I knew my, my days were numbered there. so <laughs> I just, just left a great job. Um I had always I'm been bad. in tech and done well. Mm-hmm. Um yeah and so um so a few months later I left uh I started my business which before efficiency was called More Than Insights and uh, and we shot off it was at the time salesforce was in its heyday i was uh, just coming off of being one of the uh widely recognized you know in my community at least uh mm-hmm. for knowledge in that tech uh, on that tech platform and yeah. and we closed nearly a million dollars of business in three months with, with nobody just me <laughs> and so yeah. we needed to we needed to scale um and and I think I, I, to be very honest, I think I got some cold feet. I didn't really know what to do with all with with that level of, you know, revenue coming in, and, and not yeah. sure what systems I had to make it happen. Uh, but my daughter was born at the time. The job was heavily in the U.S., and so mm-hmm. I decided to um, stay with family, not miss my kids' younger years, um, and I went ended up at Oracle NetSuite. Um, I did that for six and a half years, and, and when I joined NetSuite, I said very clearly, I said to my boss, I said, the day that we stop playing basketball twice a week in the mornings is the beginning of the end for me. I'll, I'll last maybe a year, and that's it. <laughs> and sure enough, we, you know, um, the company got successful, Oracle got very successful, people started flying around. There wasn't that daily addiction to basketball and just some some sense of, I think, friendships and community. And so I said, it's time for me to go. And, and I wanted to create that community that never forgot the customer's voice. And so that's really why we started Efficiency.
0: I really enjoy the way you you shared your story because I behind a great business, there is always a great team and of course, a, a great founder. And I think that's what is Behind the business is much more important. So life always comes first, right? So and and we are not defined by the size or the success of our business. And it doesn't matter if our business is successful. If we are not successful in our personal life, if we don't enjoy what we do, if we don't have fun, if we don't feel fulfillment. So it's it's really nice that you that you shared a bit more about yourself and. Uh, so also also nice to see that with with salesforce you have been almost there uh, at the beginning and uh, you have also been uh, at important moments in in at oracle with with netsuite right so which is also uh, quite interesting to to know so i'm sure that everyone now is curious so and why upficiency what is upficiency about
1: yeah that that's a great question i i think that Efficiency was about um, doing something that was long necessary, um, not necessary for me. Although that is part of, for sure, the drive. I think all entrepreneurs have some, uh, you know, dark desire to mm-hmm. to have to prove it to themselves. It's actually I don't right. I don't think a lot of us try to prove it to the world. I think most of us try to prove it to ourselves. Um, but efficiency was one of those, you know, when you Sell to customers a lot when you interact with customers a lot at some point you have to decide is that promise that you made them yours or the company's and it's, and, and then if it's the company then you you package it up as best you can and you leave it with it somebody else's team
0: mm-hmm.
1: and but some of us I think go the other way and say that promise is ours it's nobody else's but ours and so um, the idea behind efficiency was actually to create uh the first scaled services business we now there are many scaled services business let's be super clear right it, this is a massive industry this is a third of all gdp maybe but the services industries are highly tailored to a function and there there's not a lot that are tailored to how do you how do you use software to help you grow your business um if you think about it today there's many, many you know, digital transformation form, uh, firms. Uh, I worked for a little while at McKinsey, um, and I saw how they did some of their consulting. Um, very, very advanced, but they lived at the strategy level. So when we started Ficiency, I really wanted to do two things. One is I wanted to be absolutely create a particular set of consultants that were business first, technology second, but did technology consulting. And, yeah, and, uh, and so that was really important to me. So the, the first problem I was solving was that technology consultants were not business savvy enough. That was my first mm-hmm. uh, problem I was trying to mm-hmm. solve. And then I think the second big problem that I was trying to solve was that nobody really, uh, for lack of a better term, gave a crap about the customers' many ecosystems that they have. And mm-hmm. in tech, all, what we're seeing now is just there's more and more ecosystem involved there's an app for everything right. the the it's not abnormal for a company to be managing a dozen systems and that's a dozen systems still having primary functions correctly lined up never mind some people have acquisitions and so on and so forth and so all of a sudden they have 30 40 systems and to get them all to talk to each other all these different vendors um all that that model uh, we wanted to we wanted to improve that, and so we wanted to be a bit more of a customer advocate, and we really wanted to solve the entire problem. Over the years, I think that changed into, and what, we can talk about that more, but it changed into this whole industry concept, this whole right. um, solving the, the the true taxonomical problem at uh, at the company. But it started as there, there's got to be a better way for technology consultants to be business savvy, and so we we just flipped it on its head. Uh, and then we said, mm-hmm. let's be business savvy first, technology consultant second. Uh, and then the, the second way was really, let's take mm-hmm. care of all the pieces, whether they're ours or not. Um, right. And by doing that, I think you will um, you will sometimes get involved in a fight that you shouldn't be in and you'll get clocked in the head. But at other times, you'll provide the customer that safety and, and brotherhood and um, <clears throat> support. That they just can't get anywhere else and and because of that they um they will be your partner and ally for a long time
0: yeah it's really nice the way you describe the way you you address the the two big problems that you created the company to um, so, solve and I know that you have a, a great brand signature which is we are market makers who completely aligns with what you just said I'd like to share a bit more with the audience what are we talking about when you on your website we have this we are market makers
1: yeah great great question I you know maybe because I'm also an immigrant I don't know um, but I've I do love to blend ideas from different domains together I find that uh, I find that it feels like they make a lot more sense for everybody. And Mm -hmm. if you think about market maker, the traditional concept of market maker is actually in the financial world, right? The TSX, the NASDAQ, the Dow Jones, these are market makers. They created a market so others can trade and exchange. And in many ways, if you think about it, they are so successful by being relatively um, last to succeed in that trade, if you will. And so mm-hmm. that humility was always something that I wanted in our company too. And, um, and so when, when, we, when we evolved from our first two big problems that we were solving as a company, right? You start the company, you're like, I can solve these problems. And, and there's, there's, right. you know, there's, there's a business to be had, there's a lifestyle too, um, a lifestyle like, the, or the, there's work that I love doing that I think others will love doing in it. That's the entrepreneurial mindset in the beginning. Then, as you scale, you realize that people need to have that problem redefined, and you need that problem redefined so that it can be large enough that should you scale to a hundred million. You know, when you get past your first million, you're kind of like, oh wow, this this could work. Then you get past three million, four million, seven million, you're like, oh, uh, like, you know, I dreamt way too small in the beginning, and now I got to dream ten times as big. Maybe ten times as big is not big enough. Let's mm-hmm. make it a thousand just arbitrarily. What does that feel like? Okay, now we need a vision that really works for that. And I don't know that the vision it, in its essence changes. The feelings, the, the integrity of what we're trying to do doesn't change, but the way you say it and the way you put the uh, future in place, it changes. And so we went to this, we are market makers. And the concept was, um, what is really surprising actually, you know, if you think about technology, were maybe 50 years old, roughly, right? Does anybody really mm-hmm. remember any logical computer before 1970, right? So you're 50, <laughs> 55 years old, roughly. It's incredible. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, and, so much and, more. And, <laughs> it was incredible before what we did without Adam. Um, but the reality is we all don't know how to do it yet. And so the market maker is making the market for how companies interact with software. And mm-hmm. I will tell you today, everybody talks about it. There's a million podcasts about it. I really don't think we figured this thing out yet. Um, mm-hmm. As a as a civilization. Um, how do you interact with software really, really well? Do you talk to it? Should it read your mind? Should it mm-hmm. automate what you do? Or should it innovate what you do? It, no, that? We're not sure what to use it for. We use it for a lot of things.
0: Right. But,
1: but I don't know that we know how to use it for sure yet. And, and part of that or at least when I started to uncover that problem, you know, that, that mm-hmm. was the work that we do every day as a consultant, it's, it, at least it's the, yeah. the small part of that work. But the next part of that work that shows up underneath that is, but how does the business even run without software? And so all of a sudden that market maker concept is, is actually about creating the right mix match and, and, and place and uh, framework. For all businesses of the, and 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 when you do all businesses, it's too big. So you got to narrow it down to a market type, then you make that market. And so we make software. We look for white spaces, and we make models in that uh, that work for people, whether that's a technology and a industry match, or whether that's maybe a functional and a um and a, a sort of a, a change in uh, a a change in technology match that, that also matches with a, with a business change. Um, but that's what market makers have.
0: Yeah. And, um, are are you comfortable disclosing Johnny, where are you, where are you in terms of interval of revenue, ad count? So some figures, number of customers, some figures to get to know a bit more, uh, where are you in terms of, of growth?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, so we're staring down the barrel right now at the $30 million threshold. Um, we're mm-hmm. staring at the, the 200 person threshold. Um, and we're, uh, I would tell you that we're looking at about seven, eight countries maybe. Uh, we've gone global. Um, it's,
0: impressive.
1: it's been quite a wild ride. And uh, I think we're spread out about five business, five major business units right now.
0: Yeah. And we, we will discuss it a, a bit later in the in the show. Um, so how did did you go from one core business to multiple BUs and multiple companies? Um, and you were talking about, about the journey, right? So we need to start very well-focused. We need to have a, a big enough problem to solve, but then we can try to solve uh, the big problem uh, from the start, so we need to start with a smaller problem, with that big problem, with a narrative that you just shared. Um, so, how has been the devolution the evolution uh, in the, during these ten years to go from zero to thirty million uh, in in revenue? So, what were if you would need to define the different stages and where you find where you found that you were a bit stuck uh, in certain stages, maybe at one million or at five or ten. So what has been the, the breakthroughs that you needed to bring to the table to, to go through the ceiling and get to the next stage of growth?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I, um, there are definitely plateaus and there is definitely not enough literature about those plateaus, I will tell you. Um, the first plateau I would say is the 3 million mark. And, um, and what happens at around the 3 million mark, especially in a services company, at that point, you're probably between fifteen to twenty-five people, and if you don't start putting in some long-term processes, processes that can survive being scaled to a hundred people, um, to two hundred people, to basically being scaled to the point where you don't know who read that first document, and mm-hmm. then and they come in and leave your company and you don't know who they were, can you scale? Can your document survive that? Can your process and artifacts and 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 mid level managers senior managers survived that. that's right. the first things you're putting in at three million and if you get it wrong, you might find a way to get past three, but you'll come back down to three, fix it, and then you'll have to go up again and so it's you know it's that staggered graph mm-hmm. up <laughs> it's not a mm-hmm. smooth smooth one so yeah. three million is definitely a plateau for us. I would say that the uh eight nine million mark was another plateau, but you can call it ten, which is you know. Which is why yeah. I think the stat is there, but I would tell you that ten is on the other side of it, so ten is yeah. you, 10, ten is like sure. you solved it, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, and that's where you really have to invest in the back office, and so you yeah. you you can't get past eight or nine without having a real h r person uh who's savvy enough without having a real leadership program <clears throat> uh, where yeah. where people want to join you. Um, at a small company size and help you grow it, and you are willing to give them autonomy and um, and structured systems that they can use to grow um, and so a lot of people don't like that point because your profitability dips heavily in that range mm-hmm. and then and then you get past ten now it 's a different profitability and I would say that it 's a different growth curve but I do believe that um, the the next big big transformation is is the 25 mark so when you add the 25 million dollar mark then you're gonna definitely see what Mm -hmm. happens after that you you're you can't just have broad process you need very specific process and uh the one of the best uh books i've ever read it's called um uh how big things get done Mm -hmm. and it talks about these massive construction projects and the all the successful ones that make it on time or on budget which is really saying did they achieve what they were trying to achieve is because they were able to break it down into segmented, small habitual pieces that people could get very good at very quickly. And therefore Mm -hmm. the most of the business relies on this layer of habit that's extremely robust, like extremely resilient um, in all kinds of situations and can be, and think of that like your stem cell, if you will, you use that Mm -hmm. to create any reaction you need to the market. Any reaction you need to a competitor, any reaction you need to um, a change in the fundamentals of why, you know, of, of the, the ingredients you have to work with in the market. It's that habit layer. Everything else is everything else is one off, one off, because that's your 25 becoming 50. But to get to 25, you have to have a resilient layer. Otherwise, you'll, you'll go up and you'll fall. You go up and you'll fall because mm-hmm. because you have different team members trying to do it a different way. Love it.
0: So, it's. Um... Yeah, something that I that was reflecting what you were talking about, especially the evolution of yourself also as CEO of a company of 3 million, of 8, 9 million, 25 million, 50 million. I'm sure that's in the beginning, it's all about proving product market fit. That's the problem that you are trying to solve is really valuable uh, and that you are able to bring a solution to solve that problem being able to start delegating tasks, but still a lot in the weeds uh, and doing a lot yourself, uh, almost taking care of a bit of everything of the business, then being able to start delegating some tasks and you will not get over one or three million if you are not able, able to start delegating functions. And to start delegating functions in a certain order, which is another art to understand for each business, what functions to delegate, where to invest first, because um, a missed step can can make you get back, derail, or put the company in, in a very risky situation if you hire the wrong VP at that stage uh, of the company, also later. But, but the impact is not so big. I believe uh, we can always get back to the foundation, maybe suffer a bit, but then we can get back to the next stage. And you're talking about the other, uh, and, and typically I like to say this is the stage from going from fo- the founding team to the leadership team 1.0, and then we need to go from leadership 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, and so on. Absolutely. S- something that I've also seen your in your in your journey, Johnny, and you have also described it earlier is that there is this discussion about when should we start opening new business units, new products. So I, I would have two questions for you. So the first one, the new business units go through the same cycles that you just described in your first, let's say, BU. And and the second question is, when it's the right timing to start opening without losing focus, right? So I will jump. The first, the leadership team, uh, building the leadership team. That's one of the topics that I'm the most passionate about, and maybe yeah. connect this one with with the way you build up efficiency because I think it's very related. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I do agree. They're very related. Um, it's a great question. The first, so, you know, for sure, if you're going to build a leadership team, um, you have to work on yourself. You have to know yourself. And and absolutely, that the most important thing is to, if you can't understand yourself, you can't pick a good leader, you can't develop a good leader, and you can't grow a good leader. And by the way, leaders need all three of those things. You, I, I, I think it's such a myth. That we find this perfect human being in hiring process. It's it to me that's the it's one of the big lies that I was told along the way. Yeah. And and I hear it from a lot of people like this there's this amazing person, you just gotta go find them and convince them yeah. to take the job and and no I mean that's 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 one third of that of the formula. The second one yeah. is you gotta onboard them correctly and give them structures that work. And then the third one is you gotta keep growing them somehow too. But so to do that, I think you got to do that to yourself first as well. And if you if you don't know your skills, if you don't know how to transform yourself and shed the things that you that helped you get to here, so that you can go to the next level, you don't know what you need in the leadership team too. And so what I found was as we hired leaders, uh, whether we promoted from within, whether we hired from external, whether we Did some combination, put them with that person, put them with this person where we failed the most was when we actually got the structure of the business wrong and matched it with the wrong person. So Mm -hmm. what's interesting, I think, is that, first of all, there's way more potential for leadership in people than we might know, but we it gets clouded by the fact that the structure itself is not correct and um and yes absolutely you want to find that person that knows what structure to make that's a tough journey i'm on it right now and i'm still you know i'm still a student of the game there's lots to learn and it's um it's it's you don't know it till you've been there um and so i think that that was um that was the first learning was you you got to find great people absolutely you have to um you have to let internal people that are great shine and, and and nurture them up but if your structure is not right, they themselves may not know how to fix that fully themselves, and you have to help them do that. Get ready for that, and so the structure has to be sorted for them, which is why we actually diversify the business too into different business units. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like I said, the third one is that they need they need a playground. They need a place where they can play, practice, and grow. Um, and you have to you you have to help them with that and give them um enough enough feedback, whether it's actual material hard feedback physical from the business and its performance or whether it's feedback from you feedback from you directly and others, they gotta have that so that they can calibrate and course correct and improve um how they they take you from you know where you were to the to the next stage
0: yeah in, in terms of the structure i think one when, when we get to this different business units, different product lines. Um, when we have the shared services concept starting at the matrix organization coming up, I think that's that's the main pain of this stage of growth. I believe it's the 25 million to the 50 million is really being able to be fluent uh, in in a matrix organization without losing uh, focus and, and ensuring that everyone is it's really uh let's really focus it there do, do you agree uh with that that sometimes the the structure that allowed us that allowed you to to get here it's not the same that will allow you to get to, to the next stage so there is a transformation in terms of structure from stage to stage and there is there is a, then there is another component that you're talking about which is um understanding if you have the right people on the right seats and then this magical transformation i believe that we all go through especially coming from a silicon valley school that we need to as you said to hire those a players and we all believe that we need to have the best players in the world for the seats and we are done and then we figure out that sometimes it's a combination of both having people who have been there done that before And people who are angry leaders who are doing it for the first time and figuring out that are more innovative, sometimes they are also not uh, negative about the past experiences because they are trying something for the first time. So they just try it. And maybe we tried something that didn't work, but it was in the wrong context. Now it might work. So they they don't have the fear because they've tried it three or four times and it didn't work. So they will not try it again. So I think that combination of people who are fresh and people who have been there. thats the, and, and that's the magic. That's the art and science of building a team, of nurturing a team, of expanding a team. Uh, and that's what we always, I would say, every single CEO, every single founder uh, would take much more care of culture much earlier on, right? So this is really the... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to be asking the question and also providing my my opinion. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was just sharing with you the kind of how you see the evolution of the structure. And sometimes it's difficult to understand if it's too early. And those are really the, the tough gaps. And sorry, again, for the reflection, Johnny, no, uh, no, I think... if you, if you do, it too late, the change of the structure again, it's too late. If you do it too early, it will affect profitability. It will be too slow. People will panic. People will say that it was much better as it was in the past. So you will get worse before you get better. And that's what scares leaders to L is the CEO is crazy, we, the leadership team is crazy, these guys don't know what they are trying to do, they are killing the company. So how to go through this, this fear, this change, and especially that kind of feeling of, it was so much better before, we, we had so much fun, we had, we had time to play basketball, how, how to keep that culture alive as we go through the ups and downs of, of scaling a business. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of questions in there. Sorry, it's was no, more a no reflection. Yeah. <laughs> more a conversation than, than a question, right? Uh,
1: it's a, it's a really important question, though. So the first thing I would say is, um, let's go back to basics, right? Let's go, Occam's Razor here. Uh, the most obvious answer is usually the the right answer, and
0: uh,
1: you know, if you if you look at it that way, people are trying to just do what you want them to do, and so. I think the broadest stroke I can make against everything you just said is confusion. You, they can't be confused. You cannot be confused and it's so easy to be confused. It's so easy to be confused. Like it's easy to be confused with just your, your spouse and your life partner day to day. Can you imagine you multiply that by 200 or 50,000 or hundred thousand in some of these organizations? So you have to be super, super not confusing. (laughs) And, um, and so what, but you're right, the business still needs what it needs. And so, for example, you know, uh, I do equate our revenue size with the young adult size um, in, in the human growth period, where you're not a teenager, but you don't really know what your first job is yet. and Or you maybe you have your first job, but you're not sure if you like it yet. And so you're still trying to put the – you know you have skills. You know you made it past survival and all that kind of good stuff. Um, you know, you have some friends you like, you know, you have friends, some friends you don't like, but you're not sure if you really don't like them and you or or you or, or or you know, there's something wrong with you and maybe you'll like them later and, and you're still kind of looking for their life partner. Maybe um, there's all these semi mature pieces in place of the business, and that's true for our size. Um, it's not it's not super easy to to scale because. Um, it's it's confusing,
0: <laughs> and it's exactly. confusing
1: because and the customers, they want you know they're like oh well you're big enough that we want you to do all of the stuff that we expect IBM to do or we we want you right. to do all the stuff that Deloitte does, and and that's just not I mean it's just not fair on on our size of business and and of course Deloitte charges a different dollar for that, <laughs> um, and and so the because the customer has a wide set of requirements for you and the business is trying to. Play to as many as it can. People get confused, and so what we want to do is reduce that confusion. I think when we when we when we uh, split up the business, when we have leaders engage in a culture, the culture needs to be based on such fundamentals that there can be no confusion, and and that's why I think often people kind of look at businesses and they're like, okay, so you got this great cultural statement, mission statement. And they can't make the leap from that to execution Mm -hmm. and but you have to execute really really well like executing is what makes you money but culture and vision is what keeps you together so that you can make the second dollar
0: yeah
1: (laughs) right the first dollar anybody can make because everyone will just kind of suffer through that first dollar they need to but nobody's sticking around to make the second dollar man if you don't got your values and integrity and culture correct and so um so that's why those fundamentals need to be so simple because they can't be confusing. Yeah. And then I think when you start doing that, then you start to have a better idea of when you should break apart a company, when you shouldn't. Um, for us, I I said, I always want people to, if I feel that the job is too confusing for myself, then that needs to be split into a business unit or need to split um, into separate sub functions or separate departments even. You know, for us, um, ironically, we didn't establish a lot of marketing prior to now, and so for us, that's our next big reduction of confusion. Sales was fully confused: should they sell? Should they develop? Should they generate leads? Should they close the business? You know, do they nurture the relationship they have, which is making them lots of money, or do they worry about dollar two? Right? They they got dollar one down pat, but do they worry about dollar two? Because since dollar one's done, dollar two looks like a mile away. And so um, so that I think that that's the, the primary uh, yardstick to use at this point. Reduce, reduce, reduce confusion.
0: Love it. Uh, I think that you just touched uh, two critical ingredients for me, which is kind of the clarity of vision of having a clear narrative about the future for the long, mid and short term killing complexity um, mm-hmm. so being super, super clear, the importance of repetition, uh, and now you brought marketing is really the importance of specializing more and more and more as you move forward, right? So then you need to start opening the functions. So now it's not any more marketing and sales, it's sales and marketing. Now it's not any more marketing is content marketing is branding is, uh, demand gen is outreach, is social media, is video, is design. So then you start opening and opening and opening as, as you move to, to the next stage. Um, and, and then that's what we also need to be ample uh, as VPs and as CEOs to understand, to go through that navigation, to understand that maybe the person who got us here might need to go hire her or is boss for the next stage of growth. or. Right. Awesome, Even better if they are able to grow themselves faster than the business to the next stage, because that's the same, the same challenge of the founder is really to, to be able to keep growing quicker than the company. And we know that this is very rare. So being able to be at the helm of the company for 10 years through all these stages of growth and adapting yourself because you need, as you said, to become a different CEO. If not, you'll be the main bottleneck of growth um, of the company. right?
1: Yeah, I, I I would tell you that I am a different animal from even two years ago, and two years ago is a different animal from two years prior to that, and <laughs> it, and and I I just need to continue to be highly highly adaptable, and that's and and because the more I'm adaptable, the more my team will also be able to adapt, and they can and they can learn from that adaptation to take the helm, and and be the the new adapt the adaptation leader. Yeah,
0: but it also goes at a certain point, maybe to a concept of potential group CEO or even being much more a chairman than a CEO, which again requires different characteristics. So you need to be able to, how How do I lead a CEO? It's not uh, If right. I'm not able to lead myself, how can I encourage, how can I motivate, how can I train, how can I provide feedback, how can I provide support? to a CEO that is going through all my tribulations. The good news about the board member who has been the CEO is that he knows what is inside the mind of the CEO. So yeah. he's able to support more. Of course, I, I believe in diversity. You can also have amazing board members that didn't have the experience and bring another kind of angles. But I think it helps to have someone who, who has been there, who can you where you can vent with and who can really understand what you are going uh, through. So with that, yeah. the time is flying. That's incredible when we are having fun and, and a good time. H- how do you see the future of app of efficiency? And how do you see your journey from the 30 to the 100 million? What are the big challenges, Ed, the big news that the markets should know about the future of app efficiency?
1: I think that. The, that's, that's, a, that's the fun part to me. Uh, <laughs> Sorry to talk about
0: the past for the last 40 minutes. <laughs> not at all, not at all. Uh,
1: totally fair. I, um, for sure the what's, what's next for us is, uh, is also partly what we want to continue to shift in the marketplace. It's, it's still living that original dream, uh, which is to become a, a market maker, to be that, um, to be that business first. And 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 unlock the keys type person for our customers. Uh, that's still going to be part of what makes us scale, and it's not a heavy part of what makes us scale. However, what we need to do around that is now we need to put in additional capabilities, and those capabilities each will become this one solid habit. That could be a company, a separate company. That could be just a, another department, or it could just be another line of business, a line of service within what we are about to do. Um and so yes, there's all this all there's there's all the normal ways to grow. And so, you know, I'm I have an MBA and all the MBAs that might be listening to podcasts here. Yes, there's regionality, there's line of business, there's revision to product lines. Absolutely there's all of that. But behind all of that is actually your 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 ability to package what you have, set it up for execution, and then add to that piece and add to that piece and those if you ask me behave like small startups along the way um, and so for us our journey um, and we may not be making the same journey as everybody else i know some people have a much more uh, hyper growth market that they might sit in especially in tech and going from zero to 100 is you know if if, it, if you condense that into three years well You're just doing the same thing really, really well, which is fine, and that's a different growth path. But for us, we're doing it. uh, We're definitely trying to, you know, build it to last, and and doing it from the outside in, uh, not being the largest sort of first person or the largest piece in the puzzle that we actually work play for. And so now we are we add a new habit, a new habit, teach the community, teach the world, um, and 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 grow through that the the next biggest thing for us is what i call 2.0 2.0 in the way we do professional services 2.0 in the way that we sell i really think it's 2.0 in the way that businesses look at software there's just a lot of myth about software right now and for those of us that remember when software started i remember typing in 10 go to 2020 20, run 30 and you know doing that initial dos prompt commands i think the the future is really Having business types be pre-understood, redeveloped into narrow fields, but put in a, on a base, like I call that stem cell base, where the platform is so flexible it can do anything. This was tried maybe 20 years ago, but it was too early for the market. Now the market has these big mature applications. Uh, everyone's on, you know, you're, you're, you're picking ecosystems. You're not picking um you're not, you're not picking an application anymore. You're picking Oracle or SAP, it feels like. It doesn't feel like you're picking this suite application and, and so on and so forth. And so, but the reality is because they got so big, your business got lost in that. And the future for us is, and the future for the market, I would tell you, is that the market's going to come back to industrialization, come back to specialization in industry. And they're going to come back and say, hold on, now Oracle SAP, whoever you are, you used to be this pricey, you're now this pricey, and there's lots of you. Now what about me as a company now? This is how I do it. If you don't understand me, get out of my way. Because I can Mm -hmm. do this with any one of you applications out here. And um, and, and that's the nature of software, always creating and commoditizing the last year's software with with new one. So when when they get understood, when that industry, industry comes along, that's that's our capitalization to, that's our market to capitalize on, which is being that, uh, company that understands what they needed to do in the beginning that suits the, 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 the tailored suit that suits them and have mm-hmm. that pre-done in an efficient and highly high value driven way. So great pricing, great delivery, uh, great, uh, great outcomes for, the, for them.
0: And we come to the beginning of the show. So business first technology second right so it That'd really connects sure, yeah. with the with the two problems that you started the company with and of course being able to be fluent in the different technologies so you can serve that industry and and that customer so yeah mm-hmm. that's that's really amazing and it's really inspiring because you have within your business units you have a combination of services and product uh, and you are also expanding organically and through M&A, we could have an entire show about those different avenues of mm-hmm. growth. And something that I really loved about what you said, and even inside the 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 larger NetSuite, uh, the larger sorry business unit, uh, I always like to see even in inside one one uh, business unit there are startups and and scale ups. There are mm-hmm. bets that we are doing, and this is one of the main jobs of of the CEO of the leadership team is to be able to provide that clarity about the future and do a calculated risk about what are the bets and make sure that they keep doing bets. Not too much because it can put the company at risk and not any and just exploiting also keep exploring as as you move forward. So let's go to the last segment of the show, Uh, Johnny, where we ask uh, quick questions and and do provide please a a, a brief uh, answer. So let's start with the self-reflective uh, ones. So if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee with yourself in 2014, 10 years ago, what advice would you offer to your younger Johnny at the time?
1: I, I would tell my younger self, the thing that you like to do, the thing that lights you up, that you can look in a mirror and see yourself happy doing, Make sure you don't let anyone else do that.
0: amazing. What are you the most proud of on your journey so far? um
1: for sure uh for sure that's gonna be that we have developed people that now are gonna go out and do amazing things themselves we We had to to know that we were part of their journey an important part of their journey I think that's that's a great uh that's that's the teacher's uh, highest reward
0: all the best skill ups are factories of leaders so and that that's really a huge fulfillment worst advice ever receive it mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's a tough one because honestly it's up to you to make the advice good um yeah my my mom always
0: used to say and I if love you that are, you will not mention me <laughs> yeah not at all <laughs> of course not you've been
1: a, a massive transformation for us um I think I, I like what my mom's advice said was when the student is ready the teacher will come so advice needs to be curated by the listener not
0: yeah.
1: it doesn't need to be the right advice and yeah. so because all advice is correct in, in its own way Uh, So I I, I really thought about that question. I don't have an answer for you. There's not been bad (laughs) advice. Um, There's been, I wasn't ready as a student to hear that advice.
0: That's a great mindset. Assuming the responsibility always, not leaving the responsibility on the other side, right? So we are always in command, uh, not letting others be in command. I think that's a trait of a great leader. So and finally the the resources. Your favorite book, it can be business or non-business, you decide?
1: Mm, that's an excellent question. I would tell you that my favorite um my favorite books, my favorite resources. I have many, many, many things I read, people I talk to, amazing resources out there. But the number one thing that I love the most is gonna be the small tear jerking, emotionally catch your Stomach in your mouth type feelings that you get from small quotes poetry. Um, I don't think I, I don't think the world needs to be. Um, I, I don't think there's one big book that I would point to. There's many good books. I have yeah. a, a whole library that I keep here all the time. But um, it's the it's the moment when you find a moment that that moved you. Savor that. Look at it. There was something in there for you.
0: Favorite movie or series?
1: Favorite movie or series? Is, uh, it's going to be uh, Riddick, The Chronicles of Riddick. Um, he's he's just a complete badass, and um, and he's uh, someone who's uh, against the grain but of incredible integrity.
0: Love it! And finally, your favorite podcast, excluding this one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's, that's a great question. I really like Brunson's uh podcast he's uh it was it was really good and i listened to it recently so it's a bit top of mind now that's uh that's fair but um mm-hmm. podcasts about relationships about the soft stuff is all the hard stuff and in business the to make a distinction is ridiculous commercialization happens because of the soft things and so we have to get good at the soft things and really uh, yeah, I really like Brunson's uh, podcast on the seventy thirty perfect. Um, uh, he, he talks he, he talks a bunch of uh, you know a bunch of topics in that podcast, but he talks very much about how do we find the best mate in that. And what's funny mm-hmm. is that is business. If you think about it, every day you're finding the best working partner for that task, for that Absolutely. week, for that initiative, for that department, for that business unit.
0: Good one to check I didn't know about it so definitely we'll we'll check it out thanks for for sharing your uh recommendations Johnny and uh, for the ones who would like to reach out to you ask for advice connect with efficiency get to know more how how you can help them uh scale up with business first and technology seconds uh, where they should how how they should reach out to you
1: um, honestly, the the best way is, is on LinkedIn, um, and I find that a lot of people, they, I'm looking for that LinkedIn message, if you really want to have me accept the connection and, and, you know, listen to your first or second um, text, email, whatever, it's someone who's thought deeply about what they want and are clear on what they're asking for. Ooh. You know, all of us are looking for things. There's nothing wrong with that. And the person who's shed their shed their self consciousness about asking for it correctly, I love that person. I want to know that person. They have they have gone through some gauntlet, and I'd love to hear their story.
0: Johnny, thanks so much for making the time to share your journey with us, and also sharing your view of the future. And all the best for for efficiency. Thank you so much, and for you, of course.
1: And you've been great help for efficiency. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you. And to our community, thanks for being there. We keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life easier as you scale up your business. See you soon and keep scaling.